Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Happy Hour with Ryan. We're going to kick it off with DMX, Where the Hood At. Uh, one of the classes, one of my favorite besides It's Gonna Give It To You, which also was featured on the Deadpool soundtrack on Deadpool 1. Uh, welcome to the show this week. We got an exciting and great show. Nick Mostowski is going to come talk to us here shortly. We're going to catch uh, some headlines and what's making the news around the world, especially in the U.S. So, uh, back to DMX, uh, passed away at the age of 50. Condolences, you know, out to his family. Uh, apparently, he was dealing with a lot of personal demons, um, as most of us do uh, through our struggles in life. Uh, but there for a minute, it looked like he was getting through some things. Uh, then on April 2nd, there was a parent overdose at his home. Next thing I know, he's in the hospital fighting for his life. One moment, uh, he was pronounced dead, but that was quickly, uh, that was a false alarm. Uh, his attorney and lawyer came out and said, you know, he's still fighting. And then at one point he was on life support. And I was just like, wow. I was like, man, DMX. So he had been through so much uh, in his life. And, you know, I tell you, addiction something else. And that's something Nick is uh, going to touch on uh, later in the show. But, uh, you know, DMX, he's done with pain and suffering. He's moved on to a bigger and better place. Uh, leaves behind a fiance. And uh, he had 15 children. Um, he had previously been married uh, before his first wife and got a divorce. Um, he was in some movies. Uh, so you probably remember him from Romeo Must Die and uh, Cradle to the Grave, which he shared the screen with Jet Li. Which is crazy to think uh, Jet Li shared the screen with DMX. Not only him, but also the singer Aaliyah. Who passed away about almost 20 years ago so wow it's crazy who um you know you work with a person and you're friends with them and then it's just crazy two of those icons now um have passed away um but yeah every everybody remembers dmx song i'm sure or a line x gonna give it to you probably one of the more prolific and remembered lines uh from one of his songs a hype rapper, if you will. Um, just, you know, I know a lot of people probably grew up on his music in the 90s, early 2000 era there. Um, so just just sad to, to see that happen. And, you know, especially when you think you've got something beat and then it just, you know, you succumb to it or, it, you know, just comes and, you know, it's another roadblock you know, that comes up, even when you think, you know, you're like, man, I, you know, I've gotten over this hump and definitely could do it before, you know, again and again and again and again. And just, wow, that, that just sucks, man. I tell you, it really does. So I tell you, uh, it's definitely refreshing um, to, you know, come on here, talk about fun stuff, you know, whether it be movies, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you know, just fun stuff. And, you know, here we are yet again. Um, another young black gentleman has been killed by a cop. Wow. Um, you know, I was listening to something Shannon Sharp said on Undisputed recently. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, actually. And he was just stating something that Ben Franklin stated that you know, 
for change to happen, those unaffected have to be affected just as well as those that are harmed, you know. And it just seems like this just keeps happening. It's just over and over and over. And it's just this pointless stuff that these black men are getting killed and, you know, getting pulled over uh, with a traffic stop, some type of stop, you know. And this gentleman who is actually in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and just just keep in mind here, uh, Mr. George Floyd, it hadn't even been a year and the state's still mourning over uh, his just gruesome death. And now to see yet this again, um, more protesting, more riots, you know. So supposedly, if and uh, you can kind of read this story online, um, Dante Wright. So basically, he had been pulled over, expired tags. Many people probably attest to having expired tags. I'm sure a lot of people, even if it's for a month, nonetheless. So I got pulled over. Um, by a cop and he also had some air fresheners next thing that happens cop and and this and it was a woman she reached for suppose it was going to be your taser instead pulled a gun shocked the man later he he dies uh that day one of the activists and former uh, teachers from New Orleans, Louisiana, Rubia Garcia, if you don't know who she is, give her, her a follow. Um, she's one of the uh, white sisters that's, that's standing with us, going through all this chaos and just craziness that's in our world today. But anyway, she posted a Facebook Live video, and she's up there in Minneapolis, Minnesota, posted up for the next two to three weeks. And she's been to quite a few of the sites that um, a lot of protests has been going on and definitely want to get her on the show. But uh, she actually you catch her uh, and I actually shared this to my Facebook page. MSNBC was there last night in Minneapolis covering this and apparently threw some shade at Rachel Maddox show saying that how dare they say, oh, there's riots going on. OK, but why are the riots going on? You know, you know, what's what's going on behind the scenes here? And so yesterday I went to get my ears lowered, speaking with my barber, and I said, you know, man, you know, I'm sure you heard because, you know, he's well versed in the news. He watches it uh, all the time, just like I do. I said, here we go again. Another black man shot. And he said, well, it's pretty much the center now, it seems. So it's one of those things like. You know, something happens and it's just reoccurring in your mind. And maybe you, you know, you go to sleep thinking about it. It's like, wow, it's not almost even safe to go to the gas station to get something to eat without almost a fear of being pulled over by the cops. Protect and serve, right? Protect and serve. Now it's almost to the question of if you can't deal with people that you can't tolerate, why go into the profession of a law officer slash policeman? You know, why even do that? You know, and it's it's one of those things making a difference. Well, I remember Miss Garcia was saying the other day, I'm probably going to have to deal with some bad kids, right, in the classroom. So why even should I even think about being a teacher? 
you know that um, being a teacher, and it's probably one of those that professions that, you know, you don't get paid a lot of money. There's not a lot of money in teaching, as we well know. And so why are you almost doing it? You know, and you've got these children that you're over for just about nine months out of the year. Now, being a cop, you know, and, you know, they've got their certain schedules and everything, and I'm sure probably work countless amount of hours, but, you know, just to see this again, you know, and now again, I'm like, wow, okay, there was a period of time for for a few months there, there was no killings and anything like it was back in the summer, and I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't have to have it on my conscience to go to the store without having a fear of being pulled over. And now here we go again. It's just the same thing over and over and over. Well, apparently, so so the policewoman that actually uh, had shot uh, Mr. Wright, um, she ended up a day or two ago, she resigned from the police force. You know, she went on to state, you know, it's great serving the community and everything. Which also I might add, she's a 26-year veteran on the force. 26 years, so she's a senior officer. She's probably high high up there, for you know. And so now, um, I mean, just as a matter of a few hours ago, uh, they have her on second-degree uh, manslaughter. So she's looking at jail time, uh, which at the minimal she's looking at, or excuse me, max. 10 years and uh, at least and or $20,000 fine. Mm, Is that maybe the appropriate sentencing? You know, I I don't know. I mean, of course, Dante Wright, he can't get his life back. And I was watching the piece where they had his mother and father on and, and, you know, his mother in tears. You know, it's one of those things, wow, you know, it's almost okay Maybe it's one of those things. We live long enough. We're going to bury our parents. They're not going to have to bury us. And now that's the reality is setting in with that family. They've got to bury their 20-year-old son. Wow. And she even uh, had stated that, you know, she could always tell, uh, and she could tell even that instance, that her son, he was in fear of his life. Just think about that, protect and serve. And this is the third time I've said that. And now it's not even a guarantee that, barring probably Officer Tommy Norman, that, wow, like, I I could be, I, I may not make it home. I may not make it back to my family. It is crazy. Um, you know, I, I even remember being um, one of the first weddings I was in, um, a guy I knew, John Partain, and this was back in DeQueen. Uh, I was in his wedding, and it's just crazy. You know, you just never, you know, when you're young, uh, you don't deal with a lot of um, a lot of social issues until you really get older. Of course, I dealt with my first discrimination uh, ever in my lifetime. And I was probably in, um, maybe middle school. And now as an adult, it's just, it's just a crazy 
thing now to even fathom that, wow, I could lose my life. Get shot by a cop. Everybody just think about that for a second. Now, of course, you know, we we all have a date to meet with the maker. Um, you know, we all have a death date. We don't know when it is, but just to think this young man's life was taken by a cop and it's just no longer. Uh, I, I don't even my, my safety is not even my concern. Um, and somebody posted a meme recently where, OK, well. Colin Kaepernick about him kneeling, you know, protesting during the national anthem. And, you know, everybody's saying that's disrespectful, but they had a cop that was just using brutal force or just being just so rude to someone of the armed forces, just treating them like trash or treating them like a dog or, or however you want to look at it. But I'll say it again. The ignorance and the vitriol hate that was done on January 6th, the insurrection on the Capitol, and not one person was killed. But had that been somebody of color, we'd be reading about it on the news. There's bloodshed and everything. But, you know, there's people being, you know, escorted down the steps almost like the royalty. This is what we're talking about. This is the injustice that we're talking about here. So everybody think about that. And think about how you can make change in your community. Think about it. So again, as I stated, our guest for this week, Nick Mostowski, fellow Sigma Nu brother from Lambda Phi Chapter of Central Arkansas, UCA. It's Conway. If you don't know, now you know. A great intriguing story. You're in for a good one. Uh, does a real good uh, you know, paints us a good, you know, journey and, and story. Uh, I think it's one that a lot of us can relate to. Uh, and we really do, I feel like, can find our way back to not only help ourselves, but do great things. And, you know, just maybe we may be that inspiration, help someone along the way that may be going through addiction, um, you know, going through something. And, you know, just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, for greatness. So without further ado, we'll be back with Nick Mostowski on this week's Happy Hour with Ryan. Nick. Yeah. Man, what's going on? Yeah, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good, man. How are things going for you? A lot better than I deserve. I know that much. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, yeah, in the early a.m. <laughs> yeah, man, so uh, kind of tell us, like, kind of where you grew up. Uh, you, you're from Blytheville, right? Correct. Awesome. Uh, so, so how is Blytheville? Um, uh, I've never really been through there. Is it, is it a big city? And, and kind of tell us, kind of like a background a little bit where you grew up. Well, Blytheville is in. Northeast Arkansas is about as far northeast as you can get. I'm located <laughs> right by the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is mainly um, agricultural and a steel mill. That's about all that's there is cotton and steel. 
Gotcha. Um, I gotcha. I grew up there. We moved uh, back in the early 90s with a steel mill from Pennsylvania. And <laughs> so I was raised in Arkansas. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania, but raised there in Blyville. Um, started out going to a Catholic school, a private school, in the, until about fourth grade. And then I made the transition to public school. Um, at that time, Blyville was uh, divided by its economics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in a lower middle class and went to this predominantly black school. Oh, wow. And uh, being one of the only white guys there, um, I really didn't grow up seeing color. I just had a bunch of friends. There you go. There you go. There you go, man. That's that's awesome. That's crazy. So Pennsylvania, man, kind of taking us back. Yeah, because you hear the stories. Uh, and even because, I, I, let's see, me and my wife and uh, mom came to St. Louis uh, for the Justin Timberlake concert a couple years ago. And I just remember, yeah, St. Louis, and I've talked with so many people since I've been there. Yeah, just the steel mill, you know, blue-collar city, you know, working people. Um, what did your parents do? Um, my father works for the steel mill. He worked for Nucor Yamato for years um, until he retired. And my mom was a school administrator. She worked as a secretary for uh, kindergarten. Okay. Um, was your dad working long hours? Like, like you know, was he working 12-hour days or anything like that, coming home late? Or? Oh, absolutely. Um, my dad worked 12 to 16 hours. He either worked um, in the morning or in the evening, but mm-hmm. my family did a good job growing up of having family dinner, whether it was um, before he went to work or after he got home. Gotcha. Did, did you – like, like for as far as like aspirations goes, did did you see yourself? Did you say, oh, I'm you know going to college, get an education? Did you see maybe at some point saying you would ever do that in life, that particular job your dad did, or or what did you kind of envision yourself doing? Um, I I always respected my dad and mm-hmm. uh, and the hard work that he did to to provide for his family and provide for me. I never wanted anything growing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't want to work at the steel mill. Yeah. Um, he wanted me to, to, to be better for some reason and to, mm-hmm. to get my education and to, to move on. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't work at a steel mill cause I tried to work there and I, maybe <laughs> I just wasn't cut out for it. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I have a friend in, in um, in the Fort Smith area, um, he did it for so long, and, and he was just like, man, I didn't really have a life, you know, um, just hearing his stories, you know, and, and he was like, man, you know, I'd work three 12-hour days and every other weekend, but, man, he did that for like 10 years, and he just got burnt out on it. Absolutely. It's a, it's a tough job. It's demanding physically and mentally because if you're not – um, on top of your game out there, you'll you'll lose your life. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. Dangerous work. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So tell us, kind of, what brought you to uh, the 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 Conway UCA into the Faulkner County area? Um, well, being from Blyville, the my number one, uh, I guess, goal growing up was to just get out. 
I'm not a farmer. Um, yeah. I didn't want to work at the steel mill. Um, and Jonesboro or ASU was a little too close for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And so I figured about four hours was a, a good number. That way I could get back home, you know, do laundry. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of how I landed at UCA. I went to uh, Boys State, I think my junior year. In high okay. School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of um, was my first time away from home. And I fell in love with campus and just kind of went for it. Did, did you did you go home a lot on the weekends? Because I know I didn't. Like, I thought I was going to, like, be homesick. I got up here, you know, the partying and just kind of being independent, living on your own. Uh, how did you do as far as that goes? I believe my, my freshman year, which lasted, I think, three or four years, um, the first year I kind of I kind of went home once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. After that, I enjoyed my independence a little too much. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Um, so something we share in common, uh, a, a little group called Sigma Nu kind of tell us um, going into that. Uh, was did, did you ever want to jo- join any social organizations or uh, did, did something kind of catch your eye? You went to a party and you just kept going back or what kind of brought you there? I never thought I would join a social organization like that or. Uh-huh. And um, I don't start in school. I didn't know too many people. And um, I think I went to a party, but really it was I saw a a group of guys that seemed to be like me. And I naturally gravitated towards it and found out that they were part of this organization and what they had to offer. And I was kind of intrigued. Yeah. Most certainly trying to fit in uh, a lot of people call it, you know, a home away from home kind of deal. Um, What was your, what was your first impressions of of the organization? Um, It was like that. I felt right at home. I I fit in Um, Mm -hmm. these guys. Some of them were from the area I was from Mm -hmm. um, and they enjoyed doing the things that I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Man, how is it being on, like, as far as uh, a campus, like, like or I guess a dry county? Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, came into the, I guess, drove far into Mall Mill, you know, as far as like that. But, yeah, w- were you always a partier from, like, high school in the college, or was that your first time kind of being exposed to that type of uh, thing there? Um, no, I started uh, using alcohol and uh other illicit substances at a, a quite a young age, about 13 or 14. Mm. And by the time I got to um, college, it was on the downward spiral. And I thought, you know, this was what I was supposed to do. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, and I know my, me, myself, did you grow up as far as, uh, you know, because I didn't take a sip of wine till college. Did, was that the same for you? And, you know, as far as also, you know, I was always almost in church every Sunday. Uh, kind of take us through what what was that like for you uh, in that aspect? I grew up in a, a Catholic household. Uh, we went to, to Mass on, on Sundays, and um, I was an altar boy growing up. But my first uh, encounter with 
you know, the party lifestyle, I think I was 13. And um, my older sister was having a party. And the best way to keep the younger brother quiet is to, to get him in on it. Oh, man. So I started drinking at an early age. Um, I started using drugs at an early age. And that was my whole high school. Um, somehow I managed to maintain a decent enough GPA and mm-hmm. was decent at sports to, to keep me afloat. But um, drugs and alcohol were escaped for me. Um, in high school, my mother got sick with lung cancer. Oh, and my, my dad worked long hours. So mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol were there for me. And also school was there for me. I uh, indulged myself in school and athletics. So I didn't have to be at home and see anything. And on the weekends, I, I got uh, inebriated. Wow. Wow. Did, was there any concern? Like, when did it kind of start to be? like a major concern where, where you felt like, okay, I need to get this under control. Cause I used to have a roommate and it was bad. It, it was, it was a pill addiction for him. Uh, kind of take us through that. It started getting bad my senior year. Um, I started taking a lot more uh, benzodiazepines, Xanax, and then I would take the, the pain pills in the, in the afternoon. And when it started affecting my, my social life when my friends would say, Hey, you're too messed up or we don't want to hang out with you. And then mm-hmm. on into college, I discovered Oxycontin and oh, wow. I had a addiction and I knew it was bad when I started having withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. And my body chemistry and my brain chemistry changed and I had to have the drugs to, to kind of feel normal. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that was kind of a second avenue for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Um, so, um, and, and you're, you're in recovery, right? Is, is that correct? Uh, sober and everything or? Yes. I've been in recovery, uh, since February 28th of 2012. Okay. That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. A little over nine That's years. Fantastic. And I'm actually, uh, like I said, I'm not a farmer and I'm not, you know, made for the steel mill. So I got into the recovery. There you go, man. That is awesome. That's awesome. Um, when we come back, uh, um, hearing a little bit to what you're doing now, as far as your work and everything, uh, just incredible journey uh, for you. Uh, man, is it true? Did you try out for the UCA baseball team? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I fancied myself a, a baseball player. Um, in high school, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I had a, an opportunity to try to walk on at UCA, and it was a three-day tryout, and I don't know if it was Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, but mm-hmm. um, the first day I got there, and it was a, a lot of guys, uh, maybe 50. Um, oh, wow. Well, that's what I had in my mind. There was a bunch of people there. Yeah. And so the next day I went, and my name was still on the list. So I made it past day one, and I was excited. Mm-hmm. Um, being mm-hmm. five six, two hundred and thirty pounds, um, yep. an active addiction. I didn't think I was going to make it. Um, mm-hmm. Came to the last day, and it was a. Uh, I still, I still was there, and I was pretty excited about you know being a part of the team somehow. And the last day of tryouts, it was a uh, uh, probably like a, 
a typical baseball player, over six foot tall. I think he was a mm-hmm. transfer. Um, could absolutely smash. And there was me. Yeah. Um, so I didn't make the team. Uh, I was offered to uh, to be the manager. Um, awesome. And so I, you know, he told me, uh, you know, if you stick around, you work hard, maybe just maybe your senior year you could dress out. And nice. so I tried that for about a week. Um, mm-hmm. And I was tired of chasing foul balls, doing laundry. <laughs> and uh, drugs and alcohol were more important than that. So, uh, yes, I did try out. Um, uh-huh. Just I just wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Uh, what, what, what position were you going for playing? Uh, do you have a favorite position or one you had in mind, infield, outfield, pitcher? Or- I was definitely infield. Um, I was trying out for second and third base. Okay, okay, okay. Um, any favorite baseball players? Um, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter, man. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, he's always been just kind of a model, role model you know, and everything, and, man, five-time, you know, World Series champion and whatnot. So, yeah, man, that's that's one of my favorite players. Now, you have a favorite team or? Um, you know, AL is going to be the Yankees, and that's, I guess, that's because of Derek Jeter. And, uh, right. I would go with uh, Pittsburgh or St. Louis for the NL. Okay, yeah, I was about to say, I, I know a lot of people in Arkansas, since there's not really a professional team, usually go with St. Louis. Uh, uh <laughs> Did you go to any uh, – ba- have you ever been to a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game? I have. Um, I think I went with the, the Little League team when I was younger. Um, you know, I went mm-hmm. uh, with friends and family as I got older. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know when we went to St. Louis a couple years ago, yeah, we toured the – well, we were going to go for the Budweiser tour. We just missed the free tour, but we went into the little gift shop. Man, that, that CD is something else. It's pretty cool uh, being there. Um, so man, uh, so yeah, you, you leave college, uh, what's next on the horizon after that? What field, uh, did you want to go into as far as, uh, pursue as far as, uh, work? Well, um, it's a, it's a good story. Um, I got mm-hmm. uh, put out of UTA. Um, I tried, they tried to keep me enrolled. Um, they had, um, an extra program for kids that weren't doing well. I, oh. I didn't make it there, um, so I had to move yeah. back to Blyville. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to move back home in with my parents, and I tried working at the steel mills, and uh, mm-hmm. it didn't work out. I started getting in some uh, some legal trouble. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So drugs and alcohol just became a bunch of problems instead of just fun. And I landed myself in Pine Bluff at a, at a rehab, a transitional housing facility, Due to my charges, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I got my start in the business. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I never really found myself uh, per se in, in college. I found myself in rehab, um, and I was 24 when I started here in Pine Bluff, and I was given the opportunity to to go back to school again. Mm-hmm. And so I enrolled at UAPB. Um, I lived at the rehab. I didn't have a license. I drove a scooter back and forth to class. Um, yeah. And then I kind of worked for the facility in the evenings. And I finally was able to graduate 
uh, with a bachelor's in social work. Awesome. So, you know, I've always liked drugs and alcohol. I'm just on a different side of it now. There you go, man. There you go. Just using what you have now and, and, and definitely being, you know, a beacon, you know, of hope for others. Uh, and now, and, and you have a family and how's family life for you? Uh, family life is amazing. Um, I have a wonderful wife, Amber Mastowski, um, a, mm -hmm. a daughter, Kaylee Housen, and a son, Olin Riot Mastowski. Awesome, man. Congratulations. And where, where did you and your wife? Um, Facebook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, before, man, I can't even fathom dating now, man. Like, it used to be either, like, I guess, MySpace or Facebook, and there's so many avenues, but. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a swipe thing. Um, she's actually from my hometown, and I kind of grew up with uh, her older brothers, and okay. I just kind of slid in her uh, inbox and went from there. <laughs> Man, that is fantastic. That is fantastic, man. Uh, so, and, 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 yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, man, what's what's next on the horizon? Uh, any any future goals? Uh, you know, you got a great job and your family. Anything you, you're wanting to pursue now in the future? Or you're pretty uh, comfortable where you're at now? Or? I've... I think I'm going to stay with the company I'm at. I'm going to, I work at Covenant Recovery in Pine Bluff. Um, okay. They have a, another facility in Malvern and we just acquired uh, another facility in Hot Springs. Um, I've worked in the field now for a few years and I've worked at a few different companies, um, some great companies with good opportunities. Um, Worked for a clinic in Little Rock that gave me an opportunity to kind of move back home and run my own place in uh, Jonesboro. Um, okay. But, you know, my heart and what I believe in is here at Covenant Recovery. And I think uh, I'm going to mm -hmm. stick with this company. We're going to Definitely. get the facility in Hot Springs going. And I think uh, okay. that's going to be my next place. I actually live in Sheridan. Um, small town USA, and I think it's the perfect spot uh, for me to be at. That way, I can be at um, Pine Bluff, Malvern, or Hot Springs within you know a day's notice. Uh, family. Every once in a while, I try to talk my wife into having another kid. Um, I think she's finally. Uh, yeah. I think. I think she's. I think she's thinking about it at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, as, as the boy grows up, um, he's going to need somebody to play catch with. And I'd rather hit, there you know, go. infield uh, instead of just chasing balls. So. Yeah. Man, that's fantastic. That's fantastic, man. Well, man, appreciate you coming on, everything. You got any last words before we, we go off? Uh, the, the uh, no, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, most definitely, man. It, it's been seemed like forever in a day, and I'm I'm starting to reconnect with a lot of my friends uh, that I met from UCA, man. I just appreciate everything, you know. I was going through, you know, at Euler, man. Tough time. I would always come up to UCA, man. You guys were you're always, uh, you know. I know it's on the books that we're brothers, man, but you were really like home away from for me. Just when I needed to get away and just come hang, whether it was a party or just to come hang out uh, uh, up there with you guys, I connected with so many. 
uh, guys that, you know, uh, from back in the day lost contact with, man. I just appreciate you guys a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, you take it easy, man, and, and keep doing what yes, you're sir. doing, man. All right. Take care.